Millard Erickson discusses the concept of the inspiration of the scriptures. He defines it as the Holy Spirit's supernatural influence on scripture writers, ensuring their accounts are accurate representations of God's revelations or making their writings the actual word of God. This definition, he notes, is preliminary. Erickson emphasizes that while revelation, the communication of divine truth to humans, benefits its immediate recipients, preserving its value for future generations is essential. Without constant divine repetitions for each individual, preservation methods are necessary. Although oral traditions could retain revelations, they are susceptible to erosion and modification over long periods. This accentuates the need for more permanent preservation means leading to the idea of inscripturation. Distinguishing between revelation and inspiration, Erickson notes that the former involves communicating divine truths vertically from God to humans, while the latter concerns relaying that truth horizontally from the initial recipient to others. It's possible for one to exist without the other. For example, the Holy Spirit inspired writers to record words of non-believers, which weren't divinely revealed. Likewise, some biblical details like genealogies were available knowledge. On the other hand, some revelations weren't written down, exemplified by John 21:25, where John says that documenting all of Jesus' deeds would result in countless books. This suggests the Spirit's selectivity in guiding biblical authors. Also, the scripture consistently affirms its divine origin and equates itself with the very voice of God. While some may criticise this claim as circular reasoning, it is valid to consider the scripture's self-testimony when hypothesising its nature. This is similar to a defendant in a trial. Their claim doesn't determine the verdict, but it is considered. Moreover, reading the Bible as a historical document reveals that its authors perceived it as divinely inspired without necessarily presupposing its inspiration. Several New Testament references assert the Bible's divine origin. Peter, in 2 Peter 1.20, 21 highlights that prophecies in the Old Testament were divinely inspired, not of human origin. Similarly, Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16 indicates that all scripture is God-breathed, valuable for spiritual development. The early Christian church's preaching reflected this view. Peter in Acts speaks of the Holy Spirit guiding David's words, effectively making David a divine mouthpiece. This aligns with the frequent proclamations of Old Testament prophets who often prefaced their statements with, thus says the Lord. Their consistent testimony maintains their awareness of being driven by the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, Jesus' perspective on the Old Testament attests to its divine nature. He frequently quoted from the scriptures, pointing out their authority and permanence. While Jesus reiterated the transience of physical entities like the temple, he never questioned the enduring nature of the scriptures. In sum, the uniform testimony of scripture writers is the Bible's divine origin. They believed that the Bible was God's message to humanity, repeating the fact of its inspiration. The next step is to discern what this inspiration entails. In addition, Millard Erickson examines the complexities surrounding the theory of inspiration in relation to the Bible. He poses several essential questions. 1. The need for a theory. Erickson challenges the idea that simply accepting the Bible as inspired is enough. He argues that one's view of the Bible's nature influences its utilisation. Further, 
He underlines that while the Bible might not explicitly state some doctrines, like the concept of the Trinity, it doesn't mean these ideas aren't rooted in Scripture or aren't crucial for understanding the Bible's teachings. 2. Basis in the Bible Erickson questions whether the Bible provides enough material to formulate a complete understanding of inspiration and whether believers should strictly adhere to the Bible's own perspective on the subject. 3. Sources of understanding Erickson contrasts two main approaches, relying on the Bible's explicit teachings about itself, didactic material, or underscoring its nature and characteristics, phenomena. He notes that most theories use both, but there's debate over which should be primary. 4. Uniformity of inspiration. The question here is whether all parts of the Bible are equally inspired, or if there are varying degrees or methods of inspiration across different sections. 5. Detectability of inspiration. Erickson touches upon the debate around whether inspired content is discernibly different from other writings, and if such distinctions can guide canonical choices. 6. Use of sources. He questions whether inspiration allows for the use of external historical documents or requires direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. 7. Accuracy of sources. If external sources were used, does inspiration ensure their accuracy? Would the Holy Spirit correct any errors present in these sources? 8. Shaping of material. Erickson probes into the transformation of oral traditions before they were written down. He questions if the inspiration also covered the processes of transmission, selection, and modification of these traditions. 9. Scope of inspiration. The debate here is whether inspiration only pertained to the moment of writing or if it also encompassed the life experiences and personal backgrounds of the biblical authors. 10. Permanence of inspiration. Erickson asks if inspiration was a continuous quality inherent to certain roles like prophets or apostles, or if it was a sporadic influence. 11. Source of inspiration. Is it the author or the writing that's primarily inspired? Erickson considers the possibility of a dual focus where both the author and the resulting text are divinely influenced. 12. Extent of inspiration. The final question examines whether inspiration is limited to spiritual teachings or if it extends to other areas like science and history. In essence, Erickson's exploration seeks a deeper understanding of how the Bible came to be, emphasising the need for a well-thought-out perspective on inspiration to truly appreciate the Bible's significance. Besides, there are various views on the nature of inspiration. Here's a concise examination of these theories. 1. Intuition theory. This theory suggests that inspiration is akin to a heightened sense of insight. Those who adhere to this view, particularly from left-wing liberalism, see inspiration as a natural gift, like an artistic talent. According to this theory, the writers of the scriptures were religious geniuses, not dissimilar from other profound religious and philosophical thinkers like Plato and Buddha. The Bible, in this view, is a representation of the Hebrew people's spiritual experiences, making it akin to great religious literature. 2. Illumination Theory This theory posits that while the Holy Spirit did influence the authors of the Scripture, it only amplified their regular capabilities. It did not necessarily guide what was written, but enhanced their spiritual awareness. The end result of this kind of inspiration is not the impartation of new truths, but a heightened ability to discern existing truths. 3. Dynamic Theory This theory accentuates a synergy between divine and human elements in the process of inspiration. 
While the Holy Spirit directs the thoughts or concepts, the unique personality of the writer is also evident in the choice of words and expressions. Hence, the scripture, according to this view, is a harmonious blend of divine direction and human expression. 4. Verbal Theory Advocates of this theory believe that the Holy Spirit's influence extends to the very words used in the scriptures. The guidance is so meticulous that every word is precisely what God intended. However, this theory steers clear from suggesting that the scripture was dictated. 5. Dictation Theory this is the belief that God dictated the entire Bible to its authors. Any instance where the Spirit is portrayed as instructing the author on what to write is seen as applicable to the whole Bible. Although some historic figures like John Calvin used the term dictation in describing inspiration, it's unclear if they meant it in the commonly understood sense of the word. In summary, these theories range from viewing inspiration as an elevated human insight to direct divine dictation with various nuanced views in between. Each theory offers a different perspective on how the divine interacts with the human in the creation of sacred texts. Additionally, formulating a theory of biblical inspiration involves two primary methods. The first method, followed by the Princeton school thinkers like B.B. Warfield, Charles Hodge and A.A. A. Hodge, focuses on biblical statements and the way biblical authors viewed and utilised the scripture. The second approach, as illustrated by Dewey Beagle, studies the Bible's nature by analysing parallel accounts and comparing how writers report events. The doctrine of inspiration should follow a methodology similar to that used for other doctrines. For instance, when considering the believer's sanctification, one approach affirms biblical passages defining sanctification. The alternative looks at real-life examples of Christians to understand sanctification's actual impact. Similarly, for the doctrine of Christ's sinlessness, one method would rely on didactic doctrinal passages such as Hebrews 4.15, while the other would examine narratives from Jesus' life to determine if he truly lived sinlessly. In this text, the emphasis is placed on didactic material, making phenomena secondary. The actual phenomena of Scripture clarify the meaning of didactic content. The didactic teachings set the doctrine's formal nature, while the phenomena provide the content. There's a distinction between the Bible's teaching about itself and the phenomena that reveal its nature. Biblical teachings are views held by biblical figures about the Bible's nature. These teachings can be inferred by examining how they treated scriptures and the importance they gave to its details. For instance, if Jesus and the apostles considered even minute scriptural details as crucial, it implies their belief in thorough inspiration by God. On the contrary, phenomena look at the actual nature of scriptures. This involves comparing parallel verses, assessing the accuracy of writings, and similar tasks. To illustrate, John Mark's desertion and eventual return to Paul and Barnabas is a phenomenon that offers insights on doctrines of sanctification and perseverance. Paul's reconciliation with Mark, although not directly commenting on the doctrines, allows inferences about them. The distinction between didactic content and phenomena is vital, especially when understanding scripture, where the topic under scrutiny is also the source of instructional content. Next, Erickson delves into the question of the extent of biblical inspiration. Is the entire Bible inspired, or only certain portions? An analysis of 2 Timothy 3.16 suggests that the verse might affirm the inspiration of all scripture, but its ambiguity leaves room for interpretation. 
Another text from 2 Peter asserts the reliability of prophecy, and various references across the New Testament use terms like law and prophecy as representations of the whole Hebrew scriptures. The inclusion of New Testament books in the category of inspired texts is debatable. Nevertheless, indications suggest that New Testament authors believed they were continuing the prophetic tradition of the Old Testament. Peter, for instance, equates Paul's writings with other scriptures, and John highlights that his words are a divine standard. Also, Paul refers to the Gospel as the Word of God. Another point of contention is whether inspiration was a continuous or intermittent action of the Holy Spirit. Some contend that prophets and apostles were always inspired due to their divine appointment. However, evidence from the Bible suggests that the gift of prophecy was not always present. Instances like Peter's lapse in judgment and disputes between apostles suggest that inspiration did not extend to all actions and teachings. Moreover, Erickson discusses the idea of community inspiration. While some scholars attribute inspiration to the communities preserving and transmitting divine revelations, the Bible usually indicates individual prophets and apostles. Erickson suggests that it might be more accurate to view God's influence on the community as providence and to reserve the term inspiration for the writing itself. Furthermore, Erickson delves into the intensity of biblical inspiration, probing the extent to which it affected the written word. He questions whether this divine influence was general or extended even to the specific choice of words, reflecting God's intentions. Erickson maintains that the New Testament authors frequently cited the Old Testament in a manner suggesting they viewed every detail, including individual words, as divinely inspired. For instance, Jesus in John 10 36 references the plural use in Psalm 82.6, and in Matthew 22.32, the emphasis lies on the verb tense from Exodus 3.6. Moreover, Paul in Galatians 3.16 draws from the singular term in Genesis 12.7. Such meticulous attention to the Old Testament's verbiage implies the New Testament authors believed the Holy Spirit guided the choice and form of words. In addition, Erickson notes instances where New Testament writers ascribe statements to God that weren't originally attributed to him in the Old Testament. An example is in Matthew 19, 4-5, where Jesus attributes to God words from Genesis 2:24. Typically, Jesus prefaced Old Testament quotes with, It is written, pointing out its authority as God's word. This doesn't directly address if the Spirit's influence extended to word choice, but it does reiterate the Old Testament's alignment with God's word. From such didactic materials, Erickson concludes that scriptural inspiration was so profound it even influenced specific word choice. However, other observations suggest a nuanced view. For instance, Dewey Beagle points to chronological discrepancies in the Bible, such as those concerning Abraham's age. Beagle posits that these differences repeat that not every specific word is divinely authoritative. Further, he underlines that the New Testament sometimes quotes non-biblical sources, challenging the assertion that New Testament citation automatically denotes inspiration and authority. Last but not least, the concept of inspiration in the context of the Bible's writing is examined in depth. 
Erickson debates that inspiration is not just an abstract idea stemming from the nature of God, but is rooted in the teachings and view of Scripture as held by Jesus and the biblical authors. He suggests that both the choice of words and the conveyed thoughts in the Scripture are inspired. This means that inspiration is verbal, and it extends to the very selection of words used. Erickson underscores that words and thoughts are interconnected. A specific thought might only be represented by a particular set of words in a language. As thoughts become clearer, the number of words that can effectively convey them diminishes. God's direction of the biblical writer's thoughts is seen as meticulous. Given God's omniscience, his thoughts are inherently more precise than ours. Thus, the exact words used by the writers are not random, but are specifically chosen to express God's intended message. Besides, Erickson explains that the inspiration process is nuanced. God might direct a writer to use precise words to convey a specific or general idea. This dimension of detail in the conveyed message is what linguist Kenneth Pike referred to as the dimension of magnification. The Bible doesn't always provide exhaustive detail, but rather conveys the degree of specificity intended by God. The vocabulary of the biblical authors is also an area of focus. Erickson refutes the idea that the distinctive vocabulary of an author is purely human, emphasising that God has been shaping and preparing the authors through various life experiences to write scripture. This means that the inspiration process is both a culmination of the author's life experiences and God's providential guidance. Additionally, Erickson discusses the possibility of thought control without dictation. He presents the idea that someone deeply immersed in God's teachings and truth could naturally think the thoughts of God and express them aptly in writing without direct dictation. Some scripture, like prophetic writings, might appear to be directly dictated, but this isn't the typical pattern for all biblical writings. Every part of the Bible, irrespective of its literary genre, is inspired. In sum, Erickson posits that the Bible's inspiration applies to both the writer and the writing. It provides a sure guide for believers, conveying God's word and teachings, thereby motivating intensive study and adherence. In conclusion, Erickson delves into the nature of biblical inspiration. He describes inspiration as the Holy Spirit's influence on the authors of Scripture, ensuring the writings depict God's revelations accurately or making them the word of God. While revelations communicate divine truths to humans, there's a need for preservation for future generations. Hence, inscripturation becomes essential. There's a distinction between revelation, vertical transmission from God to humans, and inspiration, horizontal transmission from the initial receiver to others. The Bible consistently accentuates its divine origin, equating itself to God's voice. Notably, several New Testament references like 2 Peter 1.20, 21 and 2 Timothy 3.16 affirm the Bible's divine origin. Also, Erickson raises significant questions about inspiration, including its necessity, whether the Bible provides a complete perspective on inspiration, the uniformity of inspiration, its detectability, and the accuracy of external sources used in Scripture. Moreover, he explores the transformation of oral traditions into written ones and the extent of the Holy Spirit's influence on biblical authors. Furthermore, different theories on the nature of inspiration are discussed. One, Intuition theory. Inspiration is like heightened insight. 2. Illumination theory. The Holy Spirit amplified the writer's capabilities. 3. Dynamic theory. A blend of divine direction and human expression. 4. 
Verbal theory. Every word in the scripture is divinely intended. 5. Dictation theory. God dictated the entire Bible. In addition, Erickson stresses the importance of two methods to understand inspiration, examining biblical statements and analysing the Bible's nature. He then delves into the question of the extent of inspiration, noting the ambiguity in some verses like 2 Timothy 3.16. Erickson concludes that inspiration influenced specific word choices, but this assertion is debated. In the end, Erickson affirms that inspiration is verbal, extending to word choices. The process is a culmination of the author's life experiences, combined with God's guidance.